In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Make all you can, give all you can, save all you can. John Wesley was reported as saving only 8% of his income and giving 92% away. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10. I am here with Dale Culver, and I, of course, am Jim Ramos. How you doing, man? Doing good. Hey, man, let's jump on into this program. What do you got for me today is in lines of a man word. Man word is altruistic. Ooh, big Hold word. On. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is wow, way beyond Dale. my pay grade. Man, I actually learned that word in AP English in high school. Really? So I actually know what that word means, but That's you can good. go ahead and talk us yeah, through it. Yeah, it's like somebody who puts somebody first. Um, uh, firefighters do this. Policemen do this. Um, sometimes pastors can do this. Uh, you're putting others first above yourselves. Yeah. I know my wife does that all the time over, you know, her, she puts others first before herself. And I'm constantly like, no, take care of you. And I think sometimes we can do this to a fault that's not healthy. Uh, but uh, we need to be thinking about others and how we can impact them or protect them. So I, I like the word altruism, but I have a love-hate relationship with it. Right. And here's why. Because there are a lot of groups out there that are altruistic in nature that is their go-to but they're not christian and i know groups that are run by christians but they're altruistic organizations that aren't kingdom organizations Mm -hmm. and so i struggle a little bit with that word i like the word sacrifice better yeah because altruism doing good touchy feeling things is great but sacrifice is greater it is it's about sacrifice so a lot of people will give because they want to get a tax break, or they'll give because they want to feel good about themselves, mm. right? So I like the word, but I don't like the word, because I don't like the motivation that is often behind that word. Mm-hmm. But in sacrifice, like you talked about your wife, Heather, her motive behind her sacrifices is, is Jesus. Yeah, It's not self-worth. It's not self-gratification. And so that's really important for us to understand the difference between altruistic behavior and sacrificial behavior. What Jesus did was altruistic, sure. but it was far more sacrificial. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a love-hate relationship with that word um, for me personally, but I really like that word a lot. So I want to jump into the meat of the podcast. Again, guys, we're going through 
the 20 qualities of your character as you strive to become a full capacity man. And these qualifications are found in my book, The Full Capacity Man, that will be released in June. And I'm not trying to sell the book right now. I know you're going to buy it anyway. My, I really <laughs> wanted you just to, I want you to grasp these qualities. They're so powerful. And I want you to get them now. I don't want you to wait till June. I want to give them to you now. So then June, when you read this stuff, it's going to be like just affirming you that you're a, uh, on the right path to be in your best version. So in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, again, all of these qualifications are in the pastoral epistles, specifically 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. So in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, we read this. An overseer must be free from the love of money. And a similar passage or a parallel passage is found in Titus 1.7, where Paul says, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not pursuing dishonest gain. So those two are obviously associated with each other. And what I want you guys to do is this. Make sure you go back a couple episodes uh, to episode 479, Listen to our interview with Rick Robinson about generosity. That podcast is the best podcast out of almost 500 podcasts that deal with generosity. And here's what I've learned from Rick and other generous people I know. I would not put myself in the generous category. I give my 10%. I give over my 10%. I serve all the time. But people who are truly uh, I would put myself in the generous category. I just wouldn't put myself in the exemplary category <laughs> because my gift is in other areas. I have certain friends, and Rick is one of them, where they are gifted in generosity. There's something about how God has built them where they are wired to make and give money. Does that make sense? Right. Where oftentimes our ministry, because we're a crowdfunded Christian organization, we receive the generosity of others. So which often is sacrificial, mm-hmm. often it's altruistic, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so you cannot give God, guys. And I, I want to go to this word that Paul is using in 1 Timothy 3. It's pronounced afilarguron, afilarguon. I don't know how it's pronounced, but it sounds like afilarguon. It's a long Greek word, and basically it, it's described this way. Uh, In the King James Version, the word is translated not covetous. In the New American Standard Version, it's translated free from the love of money. It's described as this. It's a compound word. It makes up, it's made up of phileo, which is to love or to be fond of, and alguros, which is silver. So it's not, it's literally silver, which back then was their money, their their currency exchange, right? So if you add the alpha prefix in the front, you that's which means not, it literally means not fond of silver. So that's what that word literally means. So tra- English translators have changed that to not a lover of money or free from the love of money. So that's what we're talking about here, guys. So the sad, sadly, I see a lot of high-level believers who don't get this principle. Because there's two sides of generosity. There's the giving and there's the keeping. And I think that we should live at a level that 
is able to reach our social group, right? So, uh, you know, I live in basically, I would say maybe middle class to upper middle class America. I, I own a home. It's about a 2,000 square foot home. I live in a neighborhood with homes between 1,400 and 3,500 square feet homes. And so I live in that area. So I live at that kind of level where I have other friends that live at a different level, right? Our friend, My friend Rick, our friend Rick lives at a higher level because he earns a lot more money. So I'm okay with earning money, but I'm not okay with being in bondage to money. Mm. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So I have a friend of mine who recently visited one of the largest churches in America. He was ushered in one door, and then he thought it was really curious that he was not able to go out the same door, but he was ushered out another door. And the other door, it felt, you know when you ride a, a ride at Disneyland, you go through the Pirates of Caribbean, which is like my yeah. favorite ride there, and then at the end of it, you go through the gift shop? Yeah. So that's what happened at this church. So oh. they go in one door, they go to the service, and they go through a gift shop, and it's the pastors, all the pastors' books. All the pastor's books. So you can't leave the church without going through the pastor's bookstore. So this particular pastor, I don't know where this house is now, but I I searched him on Google. I won't tell you his name. But he has a net worth of $50 million. He has a 20,000-square-foot mansion estimated at more than $15 million. You know, and that kind of bothered me a little bit because... Matthew Henry warns us against such men. He says they serving a worldly pretense under the pretense of religion. And then Jean Getz observed the tragedy among believers that, quote, there is only one conclusion. Most people who claim to be Christ followers are not generous. We have become materialists, which is in direct violation of the word of God. And it's a direct violation of the Messiah that we are supposed to imitate. And in Luke 9:58, Jesus said, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So we have to really find a balance between making money and giving money, right? And living altruistically and living sacrificially. There actually is a, a give and take between those. And so I am not saying, hey, guys, you shouldn't own a house. You should live on the streets. You should push a, a go, you know, a shopping cart around. I'm not saying that, but I am saying is in Luke six, verses two through four, Jesus said, "So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have re- their reward in full." But when you give the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So if we're going to live this rich, opulent lifestyle of pleasure and hedonism, right, that is our reward on earth. But what God is asking us to do as believers is to live for our reward in heaven, mm-hmm. right? Right. Which is giving it's 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 being generous that's where we see that reward generous in our giving generous in our serving generous in our sacrifice you know john wesley who founded the methodist church who lived around in the 1700s he had a famous sermon entitled the use of money and in that sermon he said make all you can give all you can save all you can john wesley was reported as saving only 8% of his income and giving 92% away mm. Where have those guys gone? Where have those guys gone? So so this this is what I want to tell you guys. Guys, we cannot outgive God. We just can't do it. 
I challenge you to outgive God. And here's the problem when guys listen to this podcast. I hear this all the time. Well, I don't have enough money to give. Or if I was only rich. Now, we laugh about this, Dale, and we've mentioned this on the show before, but I am rich and you are rich. Mm-hmm. If you walk, first of all, I have a yard, Dale, where I have planted plants that are only for decoration. I don't harvest them for food. I am rich. I have a whole house just for tools. I have a whole house just for guns. My wife has a whole house just for clothes. We, bro, we have a house to park a car. We are rich. Mm -hmm. Do you know this morning when I went to the bathroom, my toilet flushed? I woke up this morning, the house was 64 degrees. I'm like, what's going on? It's so cold. Again, I'm soft, right? So I hit the heater, boom, 70 instantly. I am rich. Are you rich or are you poor? Where would you put yourself in the wealth category? Yes. If if you know if you make forty five thousand dollars a year or more as a household, you are in the top one percent of the world. Hmm. Isn't that scary? That's crazy, right? I'm almost there. Well, I'm almost <laughs> shut up, loser. <laughs> but God, you know, the Bible says in First Timothy chapter six, verses six through ten, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many griefs. And mm-hmm. so I want to talk about this real quick, Dale. So I want, I want to just share what I think it means to give and to be generous, and I want to share some practices that I have with generosity, okay? And if any of these uh, you disagree with, please let me know. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you practice all of these. So the first one is this. I give expecting a greater reward. I had a guy there today tell me, I support your ministry. I go, no, you don't. What? You don't give to my ministry. You're not involved in my ministry. Therefore, you receive no reward from my ministry. You know, the or I give to six different organizations, and I am so blessed to give those organizations because I am going to receive an eternal reward from my kingdom investment in those organizations. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And so don't say you support my ministry. I don't need people clapping their hands, waving as I pass by in the float. We need people on board supporting the ministry in service and in prayer and in finances, right? So so I when I give, I and if you guys have a a verse you want to go to, Philippians 4, verses 15 and 17 is excellent. The second thing I do, Dale, is I give as budgeted, no questions to ask. So I go into my family budget, I have a set giving schedule, and I give to those people and organizations without negotiating, without asking questions, I just do it. The third thing I do is I give the first 10% no questions asked. So I have 10%, at, it's more than that, but earmarked for other people and organizations, and I give without negotiation at the first check, at first writing of my checks. Fourth thing I do is I give the 10% unashamedly to kingdom-minded ministries. I don't give to Christians who are running secular ministries. I don't give to secular ministries or secular organizations. I give to Christian kingdom-minded ministries. And here's why. First of all, I want my money to go to God's work. Second thing is, if I'm a Christian involved in a secular organization, let's say a nonprofit, 
I'm getting government funding for that that organization. We do not get government funding at all because we are mm-hmm. a faith-based. And I know people say, well, you can get funding for faith-based. Come and help us. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't think that is true. I've never seen that. And so maybe uh, for a, a blatantly, in our bylaws, we say we are a faith-based organization. We're not finding ways to find government funding. And honestly, bro, I don't want it. I don't want to be in bondage to that. So mm-hmm. the next thing is give cheerfully. I, I love the organizations I give to. I cheer them on. I root for them. I pray for them. I'm going to get a reward in heaven for them. I, I'm blessed when I give. And here's the other thing I'll say this, guys. Guys who are raising kids in the home, our men in the arena, our guys in the stress bubble, give with your children present. Do not send a bill pay. When you go to church and you've got that $300, give or that $500 check or whatever it is. So, guys, if you're making fifty grand a year, that ten percent is over four hundred dollars. So if you have either you're giving that to one place, you've got that divided up. You've got a lot of money that you can give to other people and groups that are kingdom minded. Let your kids see that. That's really important. Mm-hmm. So they see your giving heart. And I would say give ten percent or more. Give more than ten percent as God prompts you. No questions asked. So as God leads me, I will give. No questions asked. I just do it. I don't want to negotiate myself out of it. And the last thing is give to the God who cannot be outgiven. I would challenge you, if you think that you are financially not stable enough to give, I would challenge you to give to the causes and organizations that are kingdom-focused that you believe in and just see what God does next. Mm -hmm. See what God does next. You will find that God miraculously takes care of your needs. He will probably do more than you could ever expect or imagine. So, guys, you cannot outgive God. I want to encourage you to grow in this area of generosity. So, Dale, I think that's it for today. Drive us home, brother. Men, head on over to our website at meninarena.org and grab your free electronic version of Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.